From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up today, we have a special edition of Washington Watch, as I've talked about this week. Last Sunday, Freedom Sunday, we held that at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in uh, California with my good friend, Pastor Jack Hibbs. And this was such a, a, a powerful event. In fact, today, uh, or through this week, through the readings, if you're in our two-year Through the Bible reading program, and if you're not, I encourage you to to, to join us. You can find out more about that by going to frc.org slash Bible. But reading in Second Chronicles, and uh, just at the end of this week, reading in chapter 28, 29, and 30, how the, the house of God was shut down. Ahaz, an, an evil king, shut the doors to the house of God. And the revival came when his son, Hezekiah, took over and opened up the doors of the church. Well, you know what? When you look at what's happening in our country, all of the difficulties, the troubles, the trials, is there a connection with the churches being shut down or restricted in their meeting? Well, on Sunday night, we called for churches to open up on 1025. And that just so happens to, to correspond with Hebrews 1025 that says we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. Um, we need to be together as a body of believers. So we had this special event, and I want to share some of the highlights with you. It was some really, really powerful stuff. And in fact, you can watch the whole thing. Go to TonyPerkins.com and you can follow the links over to Freedom Sunday 2020. But Today, I want to show you some of the highlights or play some of the highlights for you. We have uh, Eric McTaxis going to be with us, Dr. Al Moeller, and several pastors who have been targeted by overreaching governments. We're going to hear from our own Dean Nelson and, of course, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. So you won't want to miss that. And, again, our focus on the churches opening up being salt and light. And, of course, Election Day is just around the corner and so if you have not yet taken the challenge to pray, vote, stand, I encourage you to do that. So we're going to kick this off with an interview that I did Sunday night with Eric McTaxis. He joined us from Miami, Florida. And my first question to him was, as we looked at what's happening across America, put it in perspective, what we're seeing today and this target on churches. Well, I'll tell you, Tony, when you asked me to do that, uh, I had a number of things jumbling around in my head because there's so much to say. But here's what I will home in on. Uh, about 12 years ago, I wrote a book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I had a strong sense when I was writing it that it was a prophetic story. I didn't try to make it sound prophetic. The book came out 10 years ago, and um, in the last 10 years, I have seen something tremendously similar being played out. Now, there are plenty of people who would love to say that, yeah, it's a perfect parallel. Trump is Hitler. No. Uh, people say, Eric, how can, you, how can you have written this book and not get the point of it? The point of it is that Trump is Hitler and the church needs to stand up against him and his nationalism. No. Um, what the book is about is a man of God seeing what is happening and understanding that the only way to stand against it is for the church to wake up, for the church to stand up. And like many prophets, his voice went unheeded until it was too late. But I will say this on the positive side, I believe the Lord called me to tell that story for such a time as this, for the church in America today that we would not lie down while an all-powerful state tries to pretend to go along with us and use religious language when they are utterly opposed to us and utterly opposed to God himself. That's the parallel that I see. I apologize for the long-winded answer, but uh, there's a lot more to say on that. Well, Eric, I mean, it's very clear none of this adds up. We're not seeing, as we've heard here tonight, the millions dying that was predicted from the dire consequences of this virus. In fact, the health experts, I mean, we mentioned the, Bar the Great Barrington Declaration that came out last week from those actually on the left side of the ledger saying that this is crazy what we're doing. It's actually driving up health consequences. It's certainly not in line with our Constitution. 
There must be a bigger agenda behind this. I believe it's tra- trying to set a pre- precedent and contain the church for something greater that the left wants to do. Well, I mean, I think that there are people who are doing it consciously, but I think most people are not aware of it. So it's sort of an instinct. They don't like the church. The church uh, is, and they're right about this, is the last uh, voice against what they're trying to do. So they are instinctively trying to shut down the churches. In the case of Hitler, it was extremely explicit, and the church went along and along and along until the church lost power, and he seized uh, all the power. He no longer had any church to fight against him. In this day, Tony, um, I think there's some players who are aware of it, but I think generally speaking, we're fighting against something that's not flesh and blood. I think the audience understands yep. what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's manifesting itself in a political way, and we need to stand with all our might and main and recognize what it is that we're fighting and recognize that as much as we better vote, we better pray, and we better fast and pray, because that's what we're dealing with. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. As always, great to talk with you, my friend. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch, and you're hearing clips from last Sunday night's Freedom Sunday event that we held at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California, focusing on the more than essential nature of the church. Now, what was what's the spiritual theological foundation for churches? I mean, what should we be looking at when we make this determination as to whether or not these lockdowns, these restrictions that have gone on for almost seven months are too much? Well, Dr. Al Mohler, president of Southern Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and host of the podcast, The Briefing, joined us. Dr. Mohler, welcome to Freedom Sunday. Tony, it's great to be with you and all there. Thank you so very much. This is really important. Let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Moeller. Did you ever think that we would be in this situation in America where churches are closed and so many of them have been restricted for so long? No, Tony, I never thought we would uh, would see anything like this. And uh, yet this is what we face. And the reality is we're looking at it over a long period of time now. We see a political opportunism here. Uh, by the secular left that goes beyond anything that we even saw coming with the pandemic. Uh, You know, uh, reasonable, temporary, generally applicable restrictions in a pandemic, they make sense. And out of love of God and love of neighbor, we respect those. But but when it comes to what's going on with uh, the the Governor Newsom there in California, when you think about Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., when you think about the governor of Nevada, and you just go down state by state in so many cases, there's an overt secular hostility that is using the, uh, the pandemic as, a, uh, as an opportunity. It's opportunistic, and uh, we've gone far beyond anything reasonable. There's overt discrimination against Christian and religious groups. And, and speaking of that, we're, we're, we're here as Christians tonight in the name of Christ. But uh, religious freedom also includes Orthodox Jews right now who are uh, are in New York facing restrictions by New York Mayor Bill de Blasio that are clearly unconstitutional and targeted. And uh, so religious freedom is is now endangered all across the board. Dr. Moeller, as, as believers, we seek to live in peace. We obey the law. We're law and order. And, you know, we often hear about what Romans chapter 13 says. But we've come to a point... We have to measure and weigh what the Scripture says. What does the Scripture say in terms of giving instruction to the church where we are today? Well, you know, I think it's so interesting you brought up Romans 13 because our minds as Christians just go immediately there where Paul talks about the righteous role of government so much that the Reformers said that uh, we always need to understand that when the government acts rightly, it's acting as the servant of God. But we not only have Romans 13 about obeying government, we also have the orders of, uh, say, uh, Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, examples of those who would not bend the knee. And, and let's remember the Apostle Paul would not declare that, uh, that the Roman emperor was God and, uh, and paid for it with his life as a martyr. So, you know, we, we're in a position where we need to remember that uh, righteous uh, orders are to be obeyed, rational laws, even temporary restrictions 
But when we see uh, an order not to worship the one true and living God, with the church ordered not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, where there are just blanket and discriminatory prescriptions against churches, uh, we've got to call it what it is, and, uh, and we've got to resist. We have biblical authority. Uh, you are being highly affirmed here tonight, uh, Dr. Moeller. We have biblical authority, but we also have constitutional protection. And so while we are, as you talked, made reference to Paul, we exercise our rights as Americans, we should demand justice, whatever it takes to make sure that first freedom is protected. You know, the founders of this country, just as you say, Tony, are constitutional framers and founders. They understood uh, that uh, if we don't defend freedom when it's at risk, we lose it. And, and so that, that's something verified throughout human history and particularly in American history. And when you look at our Constitution, we think about the Bill of Rights and the enshrinement of religious liberty is our first liberty, but with it comes freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and freedom of assembly. And uh, so we now understand just how interconnected these things are, but we as Christians understand why, theologically and constitutionally, freedom of religion is the first freedom. If it's violated, none of the other freedoms will stand. And if it's honored, every other freedom will take its place, every rightful freedom. And so that's why we've got to pray, we've got to stand, we've got to vote. We've got to make clear this is a matter of our Christian conviction first and our constitutional claims rightly uh, on the, the sacred text of that. That is to say the, uh, the, the honored text of the Constitution. And uh, we, we are doing exactly, I think, what the framers and founders of this nation would have respected. So, Dr. Moeller, final question with uh, the desire for complete clarity. It is, is it time for the church to resist these unlawful restrictions being placed on churches? When they are not temporary, they are not rational, and where they are not generally applicable, where there is discrimination against religion, the church first, we speak of as Christians, but frankly, uh, we need to speak up for the uh, Orthodox Jewish community where it's under threat and others as well. Yes, it is time to say Dr. Al Moeller, thank you so much for joining us for Freedom Sunday. Thank you. Again, you're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, and uh, that was Dr. Al Moeller. Coming up next, as we uh, give you some of the highlights from last Sunday night's Freedom Sunday event that was held at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in uh, Southern California, we, we go next to some of the pastors who have been threatened with fines, with even jail time, but they are standing up because they have a greater fear of God than of man. So don't go away. Coming back with more of this special edition of Washington Watch right after this. rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and this is a special edition giving you highlights from last Sunday's Freedom Sunday event at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in Southern California. My next guest has decided to stand up to California's draconian lockdown restrictions, even in the face of being threatened with jail. Pastor Che An of Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, had this message for us. Hi, I'm Che An, senior pastor of Harvest Rock Church and president and founder of Harvest International Ministry. A month ago, I received a letter from our city prosecutor saying that if we continued to meet, I would be arrested, put in jail for one year, and then our church members would be fined up to $1,000 per person. And then finally, they said, we also have the right to arrest your church members. Now, this is kind of crazy because we're not in communist China or not in the former Soviet Union, we're in the United States of America. And while we're allowing criminals to be released from prison because of COVID-19 crowdedness, we want to arrest in California law-abiding citizens who have no records whatsoever. They just simply want to exercise their First Amendment rights and worship on a Sunday. But I have to back up and just share how I got into this situation in the first place because we also mitigated it on March the 15th and we locked down our church for one month. But as uh, churches start to open up, especially uh, I was hearing uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs was going to open up on Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, and other churches, I began to pray about this and I felt like the Lord speak to us as well that we can't forsake the assembling of the saints, especially with the numbers. We're not being as dramatic as, I mean, we didn't even come close to the numbers. And, of course, we were declared to be not essential. Abortion clinics are essential. Marijuana dispensaries are essential, but the church is not essential. But how many know that we've been essential for 2,000 years? And all the more with the pandemic, we need to be the first responders as believers to pray for people who are sick, those who are depressed, to pray for those who are fighting anxiety and other emotional, mental challenges. But we had to lock down. When we did open up for a short period, Governor Newsom said no singing or chanting. It's the first time an elected official is telling the church how to worship. Because as you know, the state should not establish a religion nor interfere with the free exercise thereof. 
and thought this is crazy. So we ended up suing Governor Newsom. And we were in a lawsuit and we continued to meet ever since uh, Pentecost Sunday. And that's when I got the letter saying they were going to arrest me. I've traveled around the world and I still say the United States is the best nation in the world because of our religious liberty and the biblical foundation of this nation. But I believe that this election is the most consequential election, the most important election, and I want to encourage you to vote. Vote biblically, vote for life. I know that as we have taken a step to really affirm our First Amendment rights, we've seen God bless our church. We've seen tremendous growth. The presence of God is the thing that I, I love uh, that has come. I feel that we're experiencing a new wave of awakening, of revival. And I believe this is a foretaste of what God wants to do in the United States of America. But I believe that we have to humble ourselves and pray, repent, but then put actions to our prayer by voting biblically. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to share my heart with you. That was Pastor Cheon of Rock Harvest Church in Pasadena, California. And now we go to the other coast as I interviewed Pastor Brian Hermsmeyer of Slate Mills Baptist Church near Boston, Virginia. He recently took a bold stand by pursuing legal action against Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. And the governor had to back down. Here's that interview. Pastor Brian, share with us your story and how this came about. Well, Tony, uh, my story really uh, about this is starting off as it's not about me. It's not about anything I did. It's about what the Lord is doing on this earth. And uh, so from the very beginning, uh, the Lord had begun this. It started as a divine appointment between me and my friend who is an attorney. And uh, we work on the same street, uh, our offices. And so he developed this uh, legal action. I thought it was a great idea because the weight was on my heart that what was happening to churches wasn't right. And so I asked if we could make it like a petition where I could add my name to it. He said, absolutely. And that's what got it started. But the Lord has been in this every step of the way. Um, I haven't really done much. I'm not an attorney. I don't know how to fight legal battles, but the Lord fought my battle for me. But you took a stand. Amen. And that's what God needs us. He'll fight the battles, but somebody's got to show up. Amen. And in and, 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 and your story, you were appealing the fact that um, churches under 250 were being restricted. And, and, and in your suit, you were seeking remedy only in the county in which you live. But tell, uh, tell our free Sunday, uh, Freedom Sunday audience what happened because you actually prevailed you 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 got the governor to cry uncle and you guys won well, I, uh, the the final result was far beyond anything we could have anticipated and you're right we were looking for just our region and uh, we wanted to keep it local based on the model that jesus showed us in his local ministry but god made it worldwide and so we kept it local but God made it worldwide. And so it is uh, now applicable to all of Virginia, and it is every church in Virginia, not only church services, but all religious services, weddings, funerals, everything that is religious, 250. All restrictions are lifted. Because one bivocational pastor was willing to stand on the word of God. Pastor Brian, final question. What would you say to the pastors about facing the fear of what others might say? Well, that's a very uh, heavy question. As a pastor, uh, we, we, we shepherd our flock. And um, I don't want the people to fear. But, Tony, uh, pastors, uh, you should fear the Lord. And you have a responsibility to fear the Lord and obey him. Don't fear man, fear him. Pastor Brian, thank you. This is a special edition of Washington Watch. Looking back on last Sunday's Freedom Sunday, more to come on the other side of the break. Don't go away.
Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? In this important season for our nation, it is imperative for Christians to pray. While we have a responsibility to vote for biblical values and stand for truth, our priority should always be to seek the Lord first. Each week until the election, FRC and FRC Action will host a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth. We'll have experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders join us for these half-hour programs that will help you see through the fog that's been created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. While you're there, be sure to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge and make a commitment to pray for our nation, vote biblical values, and stand for truth during this 2020 election season. To watch the broadcasts and to take the 2020 Pray, Vote, Stand Challenge, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. You're listening to a special edition of Washington Watch, a Freedom Sunday edition, where we uh, had a special event in Southern California last Sunday night, encouraging churches to open back up. Now, here is uh, the Reverend Dean Nelson, Senior Fellow for African American Affairs at the Family Research Council and Executive Director of the Human Coalition. Here's what he had to say. Most of you have heard tonight and understand how important it is for us to pray, to vote, and to stand. I want to share just a quick story with you so that you see how important it is. It was earlier this year in April when I got a call from some friends from North Carolina. These friends were, uh, were frustrated with the fact that Governor Cooper had some uh, egregious, uh, tyrannical uh, legislation that he had put forth, uh, executive orders, that prevented the church from even worshiping outside. Immediately they began to pray and they contacted some of our friends at Liberty Council. They sent some uh, original documents and they put some uh, media pressure on the state and on the local government. And the government sent a notice and said that the church could now actually meet for their worship service outside. Yes, just something to praise God about. But that wouldn't have happened if there weren't Christians that were willing to stand up. But in a similar way, I actually, in August of this year, because there's not just uh, persecution for the church for us gathering in buildings like this, but there was also persecution for us doing peaceful protests. Some of you saw the videos earlier of some of the rampant, uh, ungodly type of protests that go on outside. Well, there were a group of us that gathered outside of a Planned Parenthood in Washington, D.C. And we gathered outside because we decided that we wanted to have a peaceful protest and we were going to paint in uh, uh, washable uh, uh, letters, Black Preborn Lives Matter. How many of you know? Well, as we gathered outside early that morning and began to pray, guess what we met? We met law enforcement officers that said, you are not going to paint uh, black preborn lives matter. And so we said, well, we will abide by the law. They said, well, why don't we, you allow us to do what we normally do? And we wrote um, black preborn lives in chalk. And when the young people that were with us began to write simply in chalk, they were arrested. Young people arrested for using sidewalk chalk standing up for innocent human life. How many of you know the history of Planned Parenthood? In Margaret Sanger in 1939, where she wrote that letter, we don't want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Similarly, Black Lives Matter 
tried to have protests, and their protests were not the type of protests that we did. But I want this, I have this question for all of us in America. How can a lesbian and transgender leader of Black Lives Matter who don't know God define what justice really looks like for you and for me? They don't understand what biblical justice is. All of us who saw an officer putting his knee on the neck of a dying man would feel that that's somehow not right. But at the same time, we understand what true justice is. The justice that Black Lives Matter talks about is not the justice of Martin Luther King Jr. What they talk about is not the justice of the abolitionist movement in Frederick Douglass. Those are the examples that we follow because they follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So tonight, I want to appeal to you that the true church of Jesus Christ will continue to stand. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, we are one group, one group of people, one kingdom under the authority of Almighty God. And I dare to believe the scriptures where Paul penned to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says that what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We know how to rule our congregations. We know how to serve our people. The shepherds love their sheep. They need to be making the decisions, not the federal government, not the state government, not local authorities forcing us to do things that we know that we don't want to do. We want to open up the churches so that we can have service to glorify the Father in heaven. Now, I want to, I want to encourage you, as Tony has said, you've heard it several times. I came here just two days ago. I came literally off the campaign trail knocking on hundreds of doors because I'm trying to do my part for myself for God and for my children. I want to encourage all of you to, number one, continue to pray like never before. But we also need to encourage other people. We need to find people and get them to go and register to vote. Get those people to go and to make, to cast their vote according to biblical principle because righteousness exalts a nation. In fact, the great abolitionist Frederick Douglass said it like this. He says, I have one great political idea. The best expression of it I have found in the Bible. It is in substance, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. He says, that's the whole of my politics, the positive and the negative of my politics. Let's stand together, salute Almighty God, believe that we are one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, and we will see the salvation of our God in our nation if we stand together. God bless you. Pray, vote, stand. Amen. Thank you, Dean Nelson. That was FRC Senior Fellow for African American Affairs and the Executive Director of the Human Coalition, Reverend Dean Nelson, at our Freedom Sunday event last Sunday night in Southern California. All right, next up, a discussion of what the science has to say with regards to churches gathering. And FRC's Executive Vice President, General Jerry Boykin calls men to rise up and be leaders. Don't go away. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. Check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read.
Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. The rapidly changing moral landscape of the 21st century presents a challenge for Christians committed to biblical sexual ethics. An uprising against morality has overturned centuries of norms concerning the family, marriage, and human sexuality. Secular culture is not the only challenger of Christian sexual ethics. Increasingly, theologically liberal churches and denominations are rejecting the church's historic teaching on marriage. As a result, Christians are facing increasing pressure to compromise the Bible's teaching on human sexuality. How should Christians who are committed to God's Word respond to these challenges? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Family Research Council has a new publication that presents the biblical principles for human sexuality. It lays out a survey of culture, scripture, and church history that will help pastors and all Christians meet modern-day challenges to biblical sexuality with truth and love. To access this publication, visit frc.org slash humansexuality. This is a special edition of Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, playing you the highlights from last Sunday's Freedom Sunday event in Southern California. It's time for churches to open. It's time for us to have a greater fear of God than man. It's time. Scripture requires it. The Constitution endorses it. And, get this, the science agrees with it. Here from Freedom Sunday is Dr. Dan Erickson, an emergency medicine specialist from Bakersfield, California. You know, we've been seeing patients for about 90 days, and most of the patients we were seeing were had mild illness. They, they had minor headaches, they had fevers, but we weren't seeing this sort of what was playing out in the news. So February, March, April, I'm seeing patients, and I'm, I'm at home, and I'm talking to God at night going, what's going on? Because I'm not seeing what they're showing. I'm seeing a completely different picture. And then they started with the lockdowns. And my, my spidey senses started tingling, as yours did. And the hair on the back of my neck started to stand up as my liberties were getting stomped on and ground into the dirt. And I couldn't stand it anymore. And we did a, a, a series of videos. Some of you may have seen them. And... Um, You know, the videos were just to say some basic science and some basic things I was seeing going, what is going on? What I'm seeing in the medical clinics is not what I'm seeing on the news at night. All of them were saying all these new cases. Well, you all know what a new case is, right? A new case is a healthy person that tests positive for COVID. What we need to be tracking is hospitalizations and deaths. So when they, when they started with the lockdowns, the hospital systems lost 30 to 40% of their volume. I was talking to all the CEOs saying, how are you guys doing? They said, we're empty. It's a ghost town. They were furloughing doctors, furloughing nurses. I called Texas. How's it going? My brother-in-law said, he's an orthopedic surgeon, board certified, been practicing for 20 years. That He said, uh, by the way, I'm non-essential. So apparently, if you fractured your hip and you can't walk, that's not an essential surgery. So I, I, called, I called my partners around the country and I said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Is this unique to Central California? And they said, no, people are not coming in for care. They're staying at home for chest pain, staying home for abdominal pain. They're waiting days to come in. And what happens? They get a worse outcome. Chest pain on Tuesday, heart attack. They have myocardial death and this massive problem on Friday that could have been fixed Tuesday. But they were afraid of COVID. So fear, fear was becoming the biggest enemy of the medical system. And we were all kind of COVID crazy. 
And I would call the hospitals and I'd ask the CEOs, what, what percent of you, what percent of your hospital is COVID? And they'd say, mm, 12%, 15%. And then I would walk the ERs myself in Central California. It was a ghost town. And so the lockdowns came. Now we have some data to look back on. And the, the number I'd like to let the uh, media universe out there know is 99.6. 99.6. If you, if you were told you have something wrong with you and the doctor said, oh, i got to give it to you straight, you got a 99.6% survival rate. Would you be gripped with fear? I, I've had COVID. I've been through COVID. I know what it is. And what it is is a, a, uh, an illness that you will likely get through, 99.6 of you. If you're, You all know who the vulnerable are. We don't need to talk about that anymore. It's been at nauseum. You know who it is. We protect those people if they want to be protected. You know what I'm a big fan of? Letting people make their own decisions. <laughs> So real quick, lockdowns, did they work? Were they effective? What, what does the data say? Uh, data came out this week on ex excess deaths, they called it, from 48 states. It revealed 122,300 excessive deaths in 2020. Well, they only accounted for about 78% of them. The other 27,000 were from people not seeking medical care. And that's in three months, folks. That's a, that's a study that was recently done. People delayed medical care to the shelter in place. They would call me afraid, asking for more Ativan because they were so terrified, shaking at home, hadn't left their house in three months. And after I chatted with them, they got freed up a little bit. Uh, there were limitations on care. Like I told you, the orthopedic surgeons, I had primary care doctors in our neighborhood who were too scared to come out and see patients. So this, this was a, an absolute disaster. Uh, inpatient visits at the VA hospital dropped 42%. Is that because... Sickness dropped 42%? Absolutely not. Let me tell you who was staying home. Stroke, heart attack, heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, appendicitis and pneumonia. People died from acute illness because they would not seek care for fear. Another study, excess deaths in five states, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, revealed large increases in non-respiratory underlying diseases. Diabetes illness and death went up 96%. Heart disease, 89%. Alzheimer's, 64%. Cancer diagnosis delayed because it was elective. Screening for cancer, it was elective, if you can believe that. So we must acknowledge that this increased death toll from shelter in place and lockdowns, it's a real thing. Lockdowns cause death. They, they keep people from medical care. Um, collateral damage of lockdowns. Ten times as many people texted mental health hotlines at the federal level. As we talked about, increased alcohol and drug use, increased domestic violence and suicide. And we have all these different approaches that we've seen. You know, Sweden took a different approach than we did. And I think we have something to learn from a sustainable approach where the schools are open, we're working, and people use individual liberty and personal responsibility to make decisions and not executive orders. Okay, i got to wrap it up here. One more thing. Dr. David Nabarro, WHO, today came out with this statement. Stop using lockdowns as your primary control method. He claimed there would be a doubling of the world's poverty and child malnutrition by 2021. So it's time to end the lockdowns and get back to work. Thank you guys for having me. That was Dr. Dan Erickson from our Freedom Sunday event explaining why the science says churches should be open. I mean, we've heard the theological argument. There was a constitutional argument made and then the science argument. So why are churches being targeted? Well, listen to this clip from Freedom Sunday about what Marxism is targeting in America. The New York Police Department says it has evidence that anarchist groups were pushing the protests toward violence and vandalism. Once again, violent protests erupting over the weekend. Two L.A. County Sheriff's deputies are in the hospital after they were ambushed in Compton, shot multiple times. Extremist organizations have infiltrated the protests intent on stirring up trouble. They actually do have an ideological frame of myself. And Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Both the family and the church are under attack by Black Lives Matter. 
and Marxist-Leninist uh, across the globe. The Marxists are really driving um, the narratives, and unfortunately, a lot of Americans are deceived because they don't know what has hit them. Marxism is Karl Marx's specific um, take on socialism, which called for, for bloody revolution, for overthrow uh, of the government. It was something that he predicted. The Marxist-Leninist uh, uh, movement uh, believes that the family uh, and God are the opiums of the people and use uh, in useless constructions. And so they not only attack God, they uh, uh, attack the family. The leaders of Black Lives Matter are, are self-avowed Marxists. Uh, and, and what they had on their website, they talked about the destruction of the nuclear family. Well, we know, Tony, that the family is the incubator of liberty. You destroy families, you breed a dependency on government. And what we know about Marxism and Leninism is that those are godless philosophies. Uh, and so uh, these folks try to drive God and faith and religious liberty out of the public square and they they in fact see a bureaucratic government as being the provider of our basic fundamental human rights if you go and read the communist manifesto and then look at, at what they're saying on the black lives matter website they're talking about the destruction of the nuclear family they're just uh, talking about the destruction of society of capitalism all of that comes straight out of what marx uh, and Engels put in 1848 in that little dangerous book. My name is Virginia Pradhan. I am a survivor of the atrocities of socialism. I grew up under socialists in Romania during the totalitarian regime of dictator Nicolae Ceaușescu, who transformed Romania into a land of lies and a prison land. Churches were demolished or destroyed. Pastors, preachers, dissidents, or arrested, kill, or simply disappear. I was declared an enemy of the state. My legal work was an act of treason. If you go to the Black Lives Matter website and you read what they stand for, uh, what they stand for are not things that will improve the lives of Black Americans. And if you follow Antifa, they just really want to destroy the whole American system. Saul Alinsky, uh, you know, who wrote a book called Rules for Radicals, he was a Marxist, and it's his playbook that they're largely following. He said the thing is never the thing. And in other words, uh, the idea is revolution. It's it's uh, what we're seeing isn't revolution. We're seeing an attempted coup d'etat, and there's a there's a difference in that. But uh, his meaning was you're you're always deflecting what you're really trying to achieve. So uh, you have pastors in pulpits who are uh, thinking that they're addressing racial injustice and that they're endeavoring um, to bring peace to their congregations. But what they don't understand is that's not the thing. This is all being used as a pretext, not for social justice, but for injustice. Look, Martin Luther King framed it in the 60s. Uh, and it applies right now. We have a choice to make. Do we accept and embrace chaos or do we build community? Uh, justice cannot take root in, in chaos. And so folks who are chaotic and disruptive in the name of justice are, are, are living a lie. America is the best country in the world. Wake up. Wake up before the atrocities of socialists will wake you up. America's freedom is on the line. And I know that some people who are watching this are thinking, well, this is just about the uh, the right and, uh, um, you know, uh, a bunch of religious kooks, you know, or whatever. This, I, what I would say to you is this, you're a reasonable American. Um, life as you know it is on the line. You don't have to be a Christian. Freedom is at stake here. That was a clip from Freedom Sunday. Last weekend, we were at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, to encourage churches to reopen. Now, here's one final speaker, FRC Executive Vice President General Jerry Boykin, former commander of Delta Force and author of the new book, Man to Man. I want all of you veterans to stand up right now. Look at this.
Come on, Tony, stand up. You're a veteran. All right, now I want you to raise your right hand. And I want you to repeat after me. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and I'll bear true faith and allegiance to the same. So help me God. Keep standing. Now you can put your hand down. Keep standing. When you signed the document that went with that pledge, there was no expiration date on it. You are leaders. You are leaders. And now is the time for you to rise up and be the leaders that the military prepared you to be as we stop what's happening in this country and turn the corner and save our nation. Now, how many of you that are sitting right now are willing to stand with them and take a pledge that you're going to pray, you're going to vote, and you're going to stand? So answer this. Will you pray? Pray hard. Pray continuously. Pray fervently. Pray like you really mean it. And don't just pray until the 3rd of November. Keep praying. Because we got a lot of things to do in this country. How many of you will vote? Will you vote? And if you're not registered, go get registered tomorrow morning. And then how many of you will stand? Let me say this. You better know what you believe in. Because the things that we believe in have been shaken to the core now. You've seen it tonight. It is time for us to know not only what we believe, but why we believe it. Why do you believe what you believe? Your values are based on what you believe and why you believe it. And the problem is that a lot of us don't know why we believe the things that we do. And now is the time to find out. Go back to the Word of God every day. Get in a Bible study. Get in some kind of Bible reading plan and make sure that you know because when you stand, you're going to get somebody shooting at you. But now is the time for you to stand with these old veterans that stood up here and raised their hand. Now is the time for us to shine because we're the body of Christ. Pray. Vote. Stan, God bless you. That was Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin from last Sunday night's Freedom Sunday event in Southern California. And folks, I mean, you just caught a glimpse of what we covered last Sunday night. But I think you should come away with an understanding it is time to pray. It is time to vote. It is time to stand. There's never been a more critical time and a critical election in our nation than what is upon us. So take the challenge. Pray, vote, and stand. Until next time, I once again leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is powered by the Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 